This podcast is brought to you with limited interruption by Rudy Luther Toyota. Whether looking for an exciting brand new Toyota, a certified pre-owned vehicle, or getting quality routine maintenance and service for your vehicle, Rudy Luther Toyota is the place to go. Rudy Luther Toyota, the southeast corner of 394 and 169 in Golden Valley. Broadcasting live on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, as well as on WCPT 820 Chicago's progressive talk at night. It is the Matt McNeil Show. Good to be with you today. Jeff Stein joining us to talk uh, a little Iowa caucus breakdown. As a matter of fact, I got, I got some numbers we got to talk about because I think I actually have become convinced in the last few days, in, in the last day, really. The Republican Party's in real big trouble. That's why they're going so hard saying, everybody wants Trump, because I think they realize what the real truth is. So I'll talk about that coming up here in a little bit. Also, uh, I will get into Matt Talks Dance in the 4 o'clock hour, and I'm going to rip apart Dean Phillips for being, I don't know. I don't, what are you doing? What are you doing? All right, I'll get to that. Brett, how are we today? I'm all right, but uh, what, what type of dance are we going to be doing here coming up? Well, it's not. I'm not doing it. I'll be oh. talking about it because okay. you know I it's not going to be the Matt's dance party. Well, no, that's Fridays usually. Oh, Fridays true, I usually yes. I do I do the little dance in action. Uh, but no, <laughs> and by the way, for the folks in Chicago, yes, in the four o'clock hour Central Time uh, on Fridays at the end of the show, behold the magnificence that is me thrusting. I I, I don't I yeah all right. Uh, I, I, we got, like I said, I got a lot to get to today. I want to start off with the worst businessman on the planet, Elon Musk. Uh, it's just, did you, by the way, did you see the, the fantastic video of one of his trucks trying to get through four inches of snow and having zero success? <laughs> My Sienna minivan can get through like eight inches. No problem. He has a, the, the Tesla truck is spinning tires on a good solid four inches. And trust me, I know what a good solid four inches is. I've seen my female friends' DMs. Uh, you know, it is just disturbing how bad that driving is. He's not having a good life. A few years here. I mean, te- uh, uh, Twitter is worth, what, about 12 bucks now? <laughs> he, bought it for, he bought it for $44 billion. And I think that most people think it's less than $5 billion now. I mean, just talk about overpaying. Dear God, man. Uh, the the Teslas, do you see how the Teslas are now frozen? They're basically blocks of metal. That's what they are just, yeah. their only purpose, blocks of metal? Apparently so. I mean, I've got a hybrid. Once again, Toyota Sienna hybrid. Stand by that one, by the way. Uh, I got a Toyota Sienna hybrid. Works like a charm. That's It starts up on battery power. No problems. Through this whole thing. All this cold, not once a problem. Toyota RAV4, got that as well. Not a problem. Hybrid, not a problem. Elon Musk, basically, you might as well tie a rope to it and use it as a boat anchor. Well, thankfully, we know he's not the type of guy that would cut corners. Oh, no. He, okay, I'm going to read this story to you. And this is just, I would say this is a bad Bond villain. But even i mean he doesn't he he doesn't even need to explain his plan to him it's so apparent to all of us he just yeah here it is elon musk has issued an ultimatum to tesla's board hand over control hand over control of the 25% of the votes or he'll put the brakes on ai development 
I don't know if Mohahaha was actually part of that announcement, but would you be surprised? In a post on Twitter, I'm not calling it it, on Twitter, the billionaire said he would feel uncomfortable expanding the EV company's AI and robotics capabilities without controlling a quarter a quarter of the uh, voting block. Musk added that the voting power would still make him influential, but ultimately overridable regarding major decisions. What do you, without a doubt in my mind, he knows he's got at least 30% of the vote that's allies of him that will do whatever he says. Used to, it will only be 25% of the vote. You can stop me at any point. <laughs> Come on, man. Uh, do you have a volcano mountain? Do you have one of those big laser beams? You have one of those cool yo-yo saws? Oh, and the yo-yo saw from Octopussy was a solid weapon. That You see that one? That's a good one, man. Yeah, I don't specifically remember that weapon. That was the yo-yo saw from Octopussy. That was great, man. Uh, actually, and I, also, I would say one of uh, Roger Moore's better outings in that one. I like that one a lot. Is that his last outing? No. Oh, no, he did a View he to a Kill. He did View to a Kill, yeah. yeah view to a Kill was his last one, which also was, was great because of Christopher Walken as the villain, which was good. I mean, Christopher Walken is a far better villain than Iman Musk. Let's just put it that way. Part car company, part tech firm, Tesla is recognized as a dis- disruptive leader in the automobile industry. Musk himself, <laughs> disruptive as in his cars don't start when it gets cold. He can't get through four inches of snow in a quote-unquote truck. Um, he's t- consistently touted the company's tech as the best real-world AI. This makes the threat of moving AI-dependent uh, development out of Tesla potentially disastrous to the company's future growth. He is so desperate. Let's be honest with it. I think the Tesla vehicles are just not going as well as he wanted now that especially there's not so many electric vehicles that are out there and coming to the market. And frankly, can I be blunt, better ones too that you don't have to pay for that stupid T on the front of. I mean, let's be honest about it. And like I said, I mean, he just took $44 flush repeatedly. I mean, that's Twitter right now. Um. The Musk, however, is, he's already working on AI projects outside of Tesla through his new company, XAI, his AI startup slash. I mean, he, I mean, it's, it's like, okay, so you want to do AI so it can control the world. Uh, no, I don't think that's a good, you know, it's, yeah. The billionaire's Tesla ultimatum may be rooted in fears about his, uh, his existential risks of advanced AI and his desire to control development. Okay, that's what we want, him in charge of AI. Oh, good. Yeah. Couldn't think of a worse person to have in charge of AI. <laughs> Let me tell you my plan, Mr. Bond. No, I know it already. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's basically, it's, it's, it's the stupidest plan ever. Um, I can see through this. I mean, I, I saw it on CNBC, basically. I, mean, I, don't, I don't need you to explain all of this to us. It's not like you're going to blow up Silicon Valley and sink it and create oceanfront property. It's not that, no. Like I said, view to a kill, not a bad one. A view to a kill is not a bad one. Um, as Musk is Tesla and Tesla is Musk. Ugh. In the end of the day, we believe the board and Musk will be able to resolve the issue over the next three to six months. He better pay them for that, you'd think. You'd think. I don't know. Do I really want to go out on the fiscal responsibility of Elon Musk? 
I'm sure he thought it was not four inches of snow, but 20 inches of snow. Yes, that's what it was. 20 inches, a full 20 inches. Of, don't say it was four. It was, it was 20. Really, a real manly snow. Sorry. I'm sorry. Why am I like that? Why am I such a jerk, man? Why, why do I have to? Because, well, it's, I'm paid for it. But, but it's, it was that aside. That aside. Good luck with all that, Elon. Hey, what's his rocket ship look like exactly? Exactly. <laughs> don't, don't call me out of bounds. The man has more. F- it's, my God. You know, the plates in, in, in the birdcage weren't nearly as phallic as, as his rocket ships are. <laughs> you know what I'm going to do to the moon? Oh, God, no, no. Just stop. Stop. Uh, speaking of stop, stop, Donald Trump. Uh, you can just... He is such an idiot. I, I mean, the stress of these court cases is piling up on him. I mean, it's undeniable. He showed up for the E.G. Gene Carroll um, case, court case, and and shouldn't remind you the the opening statement from E.G. Gene Carroll's lawyers was basically reading twenty tweets from him from the night before, which talked about his constant harassment. Well, he basically, I think he knows he has no chance. So he decided to be, you know, a punk in court. Donald Trump was threatened with expulsion from his Manhattan civil trial Wednesday. It'd just be like college for him. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, bone spares. Uh, from his Manhattan civil trial Wednesday when he repeatedly presidentially ignored a warning to keep quiet while writer E. Jean Carroll testified that he'd shattered her reputation after she accused him of sexual abuse. Judge Lewis Kaplan told the former president that his right to be president at the trial will be revoked if he remains disruptive. After initial warning, Carroll's lawyer said Trump could still be heard making remarks to his lawyer, including... Uh, it, it is a witch hunt. It's really a con job. So he's basically, this is his whole thing. Now, first of all, was he talking to his lawyer or was he talking to a hamburger? I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put smart money he was talking to a hamburger. Hello, I'm going to eat you in a little bit. But let me tell you about this witch hunt that we're in right now. Oh, it's a con job. Let me get some ketchup. I, you know... If could he possibly like put a Big Mac on the at the table as his lawyer? I'm sure, Mr. Mr. Judge. I'm now represented by a Mr. B Mac over here. <laughs> he's he's a prestigious lawyer and he's delicious. Uh, probably still more qualified than his current legal. <laughs> Let's just be honest about it. Uh. Uh, so he basically sat there and mumbled. So let's let's can I do Trump mumbling? I like ketchup on my burger and my chicken and my pancakes. Oh yeah, it's a, it's a con job. No, it's not a con job. Ketchup. Uh, <laughs> and loud enough for once again you're in a courtroom. So basically, the lawyers can hear him mumbling behind themselves. Do you ever think he prefers, like, the bottles of ketchup or the ketchup packets? Oh, Which I, one do you think he goes for? Do you for? think with those stubby, tiny little fingers he can open up a ketchup packet? That's a good one. 
<laughs> By the sounds of it, he can't, with those little Vienna sausages of his, he can barely open up a bottle. <laughs> I can see that's his version of hell, being a, having a delicious hamburger to eat and only packets of ketchup to deal with. Oh, no. Oh, no. I had the dream again, Melania. What am I talking about? Melania doesn't sleep in my bedroom anymore. Oh. That's how you get him to... Uh... Plead guilty to everything to say you're going to prison and you're only getting ketchup packets for your food. <laughs> ketchup packets. Oh God. Uh, he yeah. <laughs> okay, I got. It. I'll, let me get through the rest of this. Trump, Mr. Trump, I hope you do have consider excluding you from the trial. Kaplan said in exchange for the jury was excused for lunch. I understand you're probably eager for me to do that. I will love it. The Republican presidential frontrunner shot back and shrugging as he sat between lawyers Alina Hababab and uh, Michael Madano and a B-Mac at the defense table. <laughs> I know you'd like it. You just can't control yourself in the circumstances, apparently, Kaplan responded. You can't either, said Trump. Ooh, zinger, Donnie. <laughs> just can Kaplan just start throwing ketchup packets at him? Just oh god, no! It's the dream come to life. Stop it! Not at B Mac. Oh B Mac, I got plans for you later on. We'll have a we'll have a briefing on my court case a little bit later on. All right, we'll take a break. Come on back. It's the Matt McNeil show. <laughs> It is the Matt McNeil Show, 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. All right, the silly goofiness aside, let me get to something that... Okay, so I'm not the first person that's come up with this. I'm going to be very blunt. I, I, I saw other people talking about this. And in regards to the Iowa caucus and and Trump's standing there. Because once again, the narrative out there, and this is something I brought up, is that, you know, he got 56,000 votes in a state of 31 million people, or 3.1 million people in a state of 3.1 million people in a country of 330 million people, basically. And he he basically got uh, 56,000 votes in one of the whitest states in the nation. And yet people are acting as like, is it, Joe Biden just better quit now because he's going to win everything. And you hear this narrative. This is the narrative you keep hearing about from the right and from Trump people. And frankly, some nihilistic moderates, too. The people in the middle are like, why is Joe Biden doing this? Does he know we're going to lose? You know, it's like, geez, dude, calm down. All right. Calm the blank down. But you hear this, but like when I see a poll that comes on out that says Trump is getting 40% of the black vote. The first thing I said, no, he's not. <laughs> no, 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 he's not. That is, that is, I, I can tell you that makes no sense. And I've actually talked to the black community and I've said, am I missing something here? Nope. Reminder, I think what he said, what, 5% of the black female vote. So for him to have 40% of the the black vote, he would have had to quadruple or, you know, times five his vote with black women just and and still would need black men to be over 50 percent supporting him, which is not happening. No, no, that is not happening. Um, 
when they say Generation Z is merging with Trump. No, they're not. No, no, they're not. And once again, this is a this is a uh, and I get it. it it's it's a problem you guys have. You you want to be able to pull like you used to pull, where you just call people up on their you know phones that attach to their wall, and it's like, eh, sure, I haven't talked to anyone in two days. I'll talk to you for an hour about politics. You know that sort of thing. And Generation Z doesn't even they they have a phone. Everyone has a phone in their hand, and they don't ever want to talk to anyone. And so they try to to, to you know, kind of trick them into stuff like, oh, well, we're going to do a uh, a Facebook poll or an Instagram poll. We're going to do that. And you know they they're not they're not doing that either. Oh, Survey Monkey, ooh, sign me up. No, they unless it's you know what you know what you know member of the cast of of you know beef are you? You know it's they they are not going to care. So, you know, you can see that there is this idea that they're trying to sell us. And, and by the way, this is part of their plan. They know they, there has been a trend. The baby boomers, tragically, sadly, are dying off. That is the strongest voting base for the Republican Party. That's just age. That's just what's happening. Meanwhile, Generation Z is coming into the voting ranks, and they are unapologetically Democrat. And for the first time in generation, they're showing up to vote. And it's a hard number here. So they, it's, it, it's partly to try to trick people into voting for Trump because everyone's doing it and they're not. But as well, it's also just to try to convince people to stay home. Well, there's no point in even going to vote because Trump's going to win by a billion. You know, it's not, and he's not. As a matter of fact, I'm actually going to make a point out here that Trump is in big trouble judging from the Iowa numbers. And once again, I'm not the first one to bring this up, but the more I think about this, the more I think that it's spot on the way that myself and others have been talking about the Iowa caucus is similar to the way we talked about it in 2016, where it's a bunch of fresh faced new faces, redundant, new faces who are running to become the Republican nominee. And that was 2016. That's not now. Now, it's it's I will be the first to say it's not 2020 where you had the incumbent president in Trump. And in 2020, Donald Trump won 98, I think, in 98.5 percent of the state. But, uh, Governor Weld was running against him and he pulled a few votes, but not much. But he overwhelming. It was 90 plus. Trump won 51 percent of the vote and everyone's talking about, isn't he the biggest and the best? Didn't he do great? Didn't he do wonderful? But did he? Because he might not be he might not be the incumbent, but he's been campaigning as the incumbent. The Republican Party has treated him like the incumbent. He has been running for this office for three plus years now. And. You know, it's he, he has been the presumptive nominee for three plus years. I mean, sure, you do have some, you know, challengers, I guess, you know, it, it, DeSantis and Haley, but not really that much. And once again, he is, it's a unique thing. It's not a brand new guy. He was the president of the United States. So he brings with him to a level, a certain level of incumbency. So should he have been at 51%? Or 
Or should he have been much higher? And the more I keep thinking about this, I'm like, dang, you know what? He's That's right. He, this isn't like 2016. This is far more like him being in 2020. Now, it's it's once again, it's not the same. But considering he is the former president, that he is the, you know, he, he calls himself the winner of the 2020 election. His followers call him the winner of the 2020 election. He is by all de- definitions the incumbent. That's At least that's how he presents himself in this entire thing, as the incumbent. And yet, and yet, he only pulled 51% of the vote. I think that this is, and, and I'm going to get into more of this with Stein here in just a few minutes, uh, my presidential and uh, national politics expert. I think Trump is actually far more, far more damaged. There have been some people who have announced their retirements on the Democratic side, but there have been far more people on the Republican side who are announcing their retirements and not just federal office holders. You are seeing a lot and we're seeing it up in Minnesota. I'm presuming it's probably the same down in Chicago to a point in the Illinois area is particularly moderate Republicans, Republicans whose districts have been turning bluer or have been, you know, you know, been a 50 50 toss up and they're walking away. Because when it comes to the election, if Joe Biden is going to be the incumbent and you already can see that Trump himself is going to lose a substantial, has already lost a substantial amount of his base and followers, that the Republican Party is less than excited about him, to say the least. You know, I think that's what you're seeing. I think there is this clear evaluation that... Trump should be doing better, and he is clearly not. And there has been some polling numbers. Like I said, I'm going to talk to Stein about this in a second. But before anyone thinks that Trump is well ahead, I think that's smoke and mirrors. We'll talk more in a second. It's the Matt McNeil Show. Stein is our national and presidential expert, kind enough to join us here on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota and WCPT 820 Chicago's progressive talk. Uh, of course, he is a noted author. You can find his books at your favorite book location. And of course, the Iowa Politics Report and the Iowa Business Report come to us courtesy of KXEL in Cedar Falls, Waterloo, where he is not where today you're on. A, where, what TV station are you at right now in Iowa? Well, this is my new studio. Oh, this is what I do every day. Yeah. I mean, I, we brought in the TV lights. Uh, I got used to them at the caucuses and I decided I just didn't want to miss the opportunity to uh, have uh, cameras uh, shadowing me uh, at every move. Your schedule opened up quite a bit, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, to answer the direct question, I'm in our Iowa Talking Point studio at Studio 5 at Mud Advertising in Cedar Falls. We're going to do a caucus in review show here after you and I are done with this conversation. And uh, yeah, I, I am fully aware as opposed to some um, blowhards in this state that uh, 
the caucuses are done, I have turned into a pumpkin, and uh, they'll call me in three and a half years. Oh, and yeah. that's just just fine with me. There, are, they should have figured that out when they started chugging the syrup over in New Hampshire. You know, <laughs> it's it's over. No more corn. It's not time to drink the syrup. What was hilarious was uh, right after Nikki Haley got done declaring that it was a two candidate race. Keep in mind, she had just finished third. Yeah. Okay. But she then went and did an interview in front of the podium, and the first station she talked to was WMUR in New England. So, I mean, she didn't even leave the room before she had shifted focus. But, uh, no, it's been interesting. Um, I've just gotten used to these TV cameras, CNN, CNN International, Newsmax, uh, Fox News Channel. That was all uh, this week, and uh, and none of them measure up. I'm a guest fun of the Matt McNeil show. Well, I, I'm going to be a guest on a cable access show about squirrels. So, you know, <laughs> are you in favor or against? Oh, I'm so I love the squirrel. It's a it's it's <laughs> nature's woodland creature of enjoyment. Uh, OK, I, uh, well, I thought you were going to say it was the other white meat. But that the, the reason uh, I mention all those things is, again, just to show how nuts this whole circus is. Mm-hmm. Um, that that people from all over the world want to know what's going on. And uh, again, you just have to have the attitude that says, uh, thanks for coming. Uh, now take your cold weather with you. And now it's a traveling road show. And, uh, and, and so, yeah, it's, it's, you know, New Hampshire up next and then uh, South Carolina. So, and, and, well, you've got Nevada. It's even worse. Oh, Nevada's if want, right. If you want a clown show, oh. look at what happened in Nevada. The, the DNC does not like caucuses. I mean, we, we know that. That's not a surprise. That goes back to the Tom Perez days. You and I have talked about that. So the Democrats who have the majority in the legislature in Nevada said, all right, we're going to have a presidential primary. And they enacted one. But the Republicans then got their noses out of joint and said, nuts to you. We don't want anything to do with your primary. We're going to have our own caucus two days after your primary. The primary is the 6th of February. The caucus is the 8th. And they said, the only way that we'll apportion delegates is if you participate in the caucus. Now, I will ask you as a student of of politics and just common sense generally, if you are a presidential candidate, Matt McNeil is running for president as a Republican. Let that sink in for just a moment to show what a hypothetical this is. If you were told there's a primary and there's a caucus, and the only way you get delegates is to be involved in the caucus, which of the two do you decide to participate in? I would actually probably do both, just to dot oh, my eyes. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. No, the rule says one or the other. You have to choose. Well, then they you, were very careful. Then you probably would want to do the caucus. If that's, it, 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 at least it depends. I mean, I mean, does the, the state body overrule the Republican Party in the state? No, because, okay. again, it's it's you just, as the party, you determine how your uh, delegates will be apportioned. And the party said, the only way you're going to get delegates is if you do the caucus, you get to choose. Nikki Haley inexplicably chose the primary. Well, she, I, think she's, go. I think she's hoping for a big boost after South Carolina or after New Hampshire. We'll have to see what happens on that. Yeah, well, it's, it's New Hampshire, then, then Nevada, 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 then this. South Carolina. So what I'm saying is she'll be coasting into South Carolina winning a one candidate on the ballot primary. When the delegates went the other direction to anybody else, I, I'm not sure that's the best strategic move, but it's the one her team made. All right. I want to talk to you about something. That, like I said, I, I didn't come up with this. I saw some other people talking about this, and I actually started coming around and saying, okay, wait, this is right. I, myself, you, a lot of other people have talked about the Iowa caucuses, mm-hmm. much like it was 2016, a 
full, fresh-faced group of people that were new were going to be there. That's not what we just had. Um, It wasn't like Tom Emmer was down there. It was Donald Trump. Donald Trump has claimed that he's still won the election. He has been running for this for three years. His supporters all think he's the president. He is acting like an incumbent. Now, he is not an incumbent. In 2020, he got 98% of the vote. I think Governor Well down there got 1% or a little bit more than 1%, but he overwhelming as the incumbent there. Right. This is not – this this Iowa caucus was far more like his incumbent race than the fresh face race. He wasn't a fresh face. He is beloved and he has got this base – I understand that there's a lot of people that try to come on out right away and sell 51% as, oh, well, look how great he did. I'm starting to look at that and say, wait a second here. How did you not get someone like 70 80%? Because you've been running for this. You are a former president. You are acting as an incumbent. Your, your followers act like an incumbent. And frankly, you should have done better than 51% considering all those things in line with you. And yet he only got 51%. Well, you're forgetting the 91 criminal charges and a few other things that uh, led people to perhaps look a different way. To put it into context, um, only twice in history during a contested primary or a contested caucus, only twice had the winner topped 40%. The high water mark was 45 So he set a record for the highest percentage in a contested caucus. And this was contested, quite obviously. Mm -hmm. I'm not disputing your points about, quote unquote, incumbency. The largest margin of victory previously was 12 percentage points. He won by 30. Okay, so by all measures, it's a huge win. But with and I was just asked that by someone else, somebody I think that, you know, uh, well, that means 59 or 49 percent voted against him. Okay. Where would the DeSantis supporters go if not for DeSantis? It would be Arguably Trump. Yeah. Trump. Yeah. Okay. So take his 21% and add it to the 51. Now you're at 72. Ramaswamy got about 8%. Well, now he's endorsed Trump. So now you're up to 80%. I mean, realistically, um, nobody's ever done this level. Now, can the Haley people and the DeSantis people, because, you know, there's been no love lost. Are they going to be able to mend fences and support him if he's the ultimate nominee? That's the real challenge. But here's something that's really interesting about the Haley effort. And it's something that that I bet we talk about next Wednesday, uh, right after the New Hampshire primary. And it is this. A lot of Democrats, because there was no race in Iowa, crossed over and they interviewed some people in Johnson County. That's Iowa City, or as I call it, the People's Republic of Johnson County. It's the only one of the Iowa counties that did not go for Trump. Yes. And Haley won by one vote. So, you know, your cousin Fred and uh, cousin Bertha living out there near Solon in rural Johnson County who decided to skip it, well, it could have made a difference. But I don't know if you have cousins, but, you know, I'm just wondering how many, you know, it only took two to give them a clean sweep. But they, the newscast interviewed a woman who said that she was, a lifelong Democrat, and was still a passionate Democrat. But she crossed over and became a Republican for a night because she wanted to, quote, vote against Donald Trump one extra time, unquote. And she caucused for Haley. Now, you get to New Hampshire. You don't have to change your party registration. You simply say, I'm a Democrat. The party has disavowed sanctioning this primary. Biden is not on the ballot. 
Uh, we don't want to participate, with all due respect to Dean Phillips and Marianne Williamson. They just show up as a registered Democrat, say, give me a red ballot and get a chance to vote against Trump one more time. Mm-hmm. You're going to see that, I think, hugely. And it's going to propel Haley because that's the logical person to vote for. If you're one of those who wants to engage in those shenanigans. And by the way, Republicans have done it to Democrats in the past. So mm-hmm. it's not anything. I'm not picking on a party here. I, I want to go back to the, the caucus thing, though, because you, sure. you bring up about DeSantis and uh, Vivek Ramaswamy and stuff like this. And yeah, mm-hmm. und- undeniably. But still, they did not. Trump did not get those votes um, that night. Right? The, probably the most comparable of, of this. And, and, and it's, it's hard. I went back to Carter 1980. That is when mm-hmm. that is when uh, Ted Kennedy was putting up a challenge to Carter. I was on January 21st that year. Um, Carter uh, got 59.16 percent of the vote, um, you know, and Kennedy got uh, 31. So when you look at the numbers, Carter did better versus Kennedy than Trump did uh, against, you know, uh, DeSantis and Haley. Uh, just when you look at those numbers. And once again, not a perfect comparison because Carter was the incumbent at that point. But Trump has played himself out here. The sure. narrative after 1980 was, boy, oh, boy, the Democrats are split. The Democrats are broken. The Democrats are wrong. Look at this. Uh, almost over a third have basically you know, abandoned Carter and are going to Kennedy. This time, you and once again, we can make a strong argument that this was more like a 2020 caucus than a 2016 caucus. The fact is the narrative was very different. It's, oh, well, Trump, magnificent win. You know, there's DeSantis and Haley actually pulled more than Kennedy did against Carter back then. And once again, you do, you're right. New Hampshire and, and Nikki Haley has done a, it seems to have done a pretty good job campaigning there. Uh, Nevada is a mess, but then you're going to go to South Carolina where Haley's going to put him a pretty big fight there. I just do not see Trump, even within the Republican Party, having the support that his campaign is putting out there. The Republican Party is putting out there. It's just he should have done a lot better. I'm not saying he should have done exactly like an incumbent. Once again, this is this. it's not an exact comparison, but. He should have done a lot better considering the, the status of what we're looking at. I mean, I try to think about, and there's no numbers on this. I think, wasn't it Roosevelt? Teddy Roosevelt ran, didn't run, and then he ran against Taft and Wilson. And, right. You know, it was, right. Uh, it was the bull moose party. Yeah, yeah. It, it was just, it, it, but there's nothing about that. I couldn't find anything about what comparison, because that would probably be the locus, the, the next comparison, then going back to Cleveland, who ran after he lost his term. But it doesn't happen that often. I, I just right. think that. I think presenting this as, wow, look at how great Donald Trump did. I don't think he did that well, considering how he played himself out, how the party played himself off. And this is a former president running for the presidency again. But 91 pending criminal charges. But January 6th. But claims of uh, election fraud. All of those. This is why if you if you're DeSantis. You're just sitting there scratching your head saying, I did everything I was supposed to do. Because here's the playbook, right? You go to all 99 counties. He did that. He was not the only one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's that's but, the, that's but, the play in Iowa. Okay. You go to every county. You get a popular 
office holder to endorse you. He did that. Yep. You get the evangelical leaders to endorse you. Yep. He did that. Yeah. He did everything he was supposed to do. And he did not get, and Trump got more than half of the evangelical vote. Okay, so the point is that you're dealing with an individual who is rewriting the book, love him or hate him, he's the most significant political phenomenon with the possible exception of Barack Obama in the past 50 years. Well, and here's... So you can't, you you can't, we want to make, we want to make some logical sense of it. And there's too many wild cards there. The... And, and, and like you said, it's he's going to win, but he's going to create a huge problem for the Republicans. Entrance poll for ABC on uh, uh, Trump. Uh, you know, if he's convicted, 64 percent of Republican caucus goers in Iowa, 64 percent said, yes, they'd still support him. But 31 percent said they wouldn't. And when you look at the margins of Georgia, 0.2, Arizona, Wisconsin, 0.6, Pennsylvania, 0.7, North Carolina, 1.7, Michigan, 2.6, Nevada, 2.7, Florida, 3.4. You and I love I love this kind of stuff. I love the numbers and the stuff behind this thing. I really do. It it, this is this is trouble. Now, I'm going to tell you what we're going to I can tell we're running up against clock here, but we're going to have to take a break here. I want you to come back and talk about that, because if 31 percent of the Republican Party bails on him, this is over. And there's just nothing he can do about it at that point. Jeff Stein joining us with his usual Wednesday visit to talk about presidential politics. We'll get more with him when we do come back. It is the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950 and WCPT Hill show on your Wednesday. Jeff Stein with his usual Wednesday visit going and talking politics. I, I want to, if I can, I, I'm piggyback on what I mentioned before the break, which was that if he's convicted, uh, basically a third of the voters in Iowa have said that they are going to abandon him. But a Des Moines Register a poll of Republican caucus voters, actual Republicans, said 71% would vote for Trump if it was Trump versus Biden. But 11% of them said if it was those two people, 11% of Republican caucus voters by the Des Moines uh, poll said they would vote for Biden. I Okay, I'm seeing enough here to say to myself, this whole notion that Trump is running away with it, that it, Biden, it another term for Trump is a, a given, is, is that's just not there. It's smoke and mirrors. And even within, we're talking his base. We're not talking mm-hmm. suburban moms that went with Biden back in t- 2020. We're talking his base is already showing major signs of cracking. I, I, going back to your point about DeSantis I mean, and Haley, it's like, what do I have to do here at this point to kind of shake these people off? It's it's that consummate trap the Republicans have gotten themselves into. Well, but what's going on is that you have DeSantis and Haley just sitting there in case. You know, it's sort of like, uh, in case the starting pitcher falters, I'm going to be here and be ready because there's it makes no sense otherwise at this point for some. Now, something that you just said, and I want to be really clear, there's a big distinction between election and nomination. Yeah. All right. There is an awful lot of talk about no way anyone's going to beat him for the nomination. And given how it lays out at the moment, I would have to say probably that's right unless there is something new that comes up between now and the time of the convention. But the general election, that's a whole different issue. And I have tried to tell my Republican friends who talk about how uh, Joe Biden might be infirm and the policy is bad or whatever. You, you know the line, right? 
and they say, ah, Trump's just going to come through and just sweep. Well, I say to them two things. One, you told me that four years ago and it didn't happen. Second, if you then retort and say, ah, but it was stolen, my answer is, if in fact it was stolen as you believe, what has been done to change anything for 2024? And the answer is nothing. So the point is, all of these folks who think that he's going to cruise to the nomination, probably will. Going to cruise to election? There's way too many things to suggest that's not the case. Mm-hmm. And so again, well, look at the, the folks who said there was going to be such a red wave in 2022. What were they basing that on? Yeah, good. You know, <laughs> uh, they, same well, polls, same polls that we're supposed to be listening to now. Ex- well, exactly. And, and, and to be fair, on the 33% that say that if he yeah. gets convicted, he has been convicted. He's already had fraudulent with his, his charities. He, E.G. Gene Carroll, he's guilty there. He's guilty of the bank fraud in New York. That was just a, a, a punishment phase he was going through. It hasn't phased their vote right now. And so, I mean, I think that there's a lot of people who is like, when when put a microphone in front of your face, and it's like, well, if he's guilty of, of trying to start a riot on January 6th, would you vote for him? They're like, oh, no. But the reality is, I think that he could be found guilty of that. And I think most of those people will say, well, but he was justified. And so I don't know if that number Perhaps. is legit, legit either. <sighs> Here's the number that was interesting to me. Okay. There was a, an entrance poll that said that the percentage of people who wanted substantial change in the country or, in essence, blow the whole thing up. And you combine those numbers, it was this massive number. And they're voting for a guy who served as president for four years. And, and it just, it, again... Most of them say we want huge change, and so we're going to seek the guy who was in the office for four years. I just don't even know how to square that. Well, and, and yeah, it's they're kind of lost, which does bring up New Hampshire next, which yeah. is, you know, Haley has done a better job of laying a foundation there. And yeah. I, I just you know, the way that Iowa lays out, I think Trump and a DeSantis are going to work better. I'm actually surprised Vivek Ramaswamy lasted as long as he did there. But... um you know, you go well, to you the, can do a lot when you're self-funded. Well, true, uh, as you well know. Oh well, yeah. <laughs> who doesn't love Twinkies? Uh, but the when you, I, I was surprised Christie dropped out because New Hampshire was probably going to go better for him on the East Coast. Haley has done a better job of laying the foundation there. Does you know? I mean, it's Trump's going to get that fifty, fifty-five, sixty percent of the vote. I just see that again. But do you think that DeSantis who that southern charm is not going to fly up in North Car- uh, in, uh, in New Hampshire. I, I I just do not see a way that that Santos holds on for two there. I think it's going to be Nikki Haley for sure at two. Oh, I, I don't think there's any question, and the, that's why it's interesting that Christie got out because DeSantis would have finished fourth. And did you see that yes. the DeSantis pack is now laying people off? Yeah, that's always a good sign. Not when- the not the not the white boot polishers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we just, we, you know, I mean, we, it, times are tough all over, Matt, and sometimes you just have to cut, and and it hurts. And losing the white boot polishers uh, could could be part of it. Nancy Sinatra could not be reached for comment. Oh, that's a beautiful <laughs> reference. And you kids who are too young to get that, go Google it. It's uh, tremendous reference by your host. There. Uh, but I, I think that you know she's. How close does she make it? Do you, and, and once again, we're just we're it's this is like football speculation at this point. But I mean, it's considering what you saw in Iowa, you saw the layout, you saw the teams, you saw the commitment, you saw the volunteers, you saw that all on the ground. Now let's move that to New Hampshire, where Haley's going to do better. Do you think that this is going to tighten up at all? 
Well, sure, but it's because of the fact that Democrats will vote on a Republican ballot. It doesn't have yeah. anything to do with ground game. It doesn't have anything to do with anything other than, hey, I get another chance to vote against Trump. Sign me up. Because, again, if that many people did it in Iowa when they had to go through stuff like changing party registration, et cetera, in the cold, do anything in the cold, too, it should be noted. I mean, that yes, was that was I mean, when you look at 56,000 people showing up I and mean, that was down a little bit. But I mean, it's the weather did play a pretty big role there. Well, it, it played it played a role and that hurt her. Because yeah. her supporters were not the rank and file Republican uh, who who supported DeSantis or Trump, and so that's why she's going to do tremendously well in New Hampshire. But again, is that a real fair test? Given that you're going to have a lot of independents and Democrats who say, uh, "I want to get in there and uh, pull a few shenanigans," which they have the right to do. That was the rules. Moonbeam Williamson's not going to do anything. Dean Phillips, do you think he survives New Hampshire, or do you think it, it, this whole vanity project of his comes crashing down fairly quickly? I think. I, you know, I, I can't imagine. I, I don't know what's what's driving it now. I don't know where the money <laughs> exactly. is. I don't know. I mean, is is he going to win the Nevada primary as the only candidate again? You know, I mean, it's um, it's a nice effort. And uh, he's keeping some uh, consultants and uh, coffee shops afloat, and, and good for him. Uh, Jeff Stein, once again, the Iowa Politics Report gets posted a little bit later on. Find his books. They are fantastic. And, uh, Jeff, we will talk to you next week. Thank you much. Hour you two bet. for Minneapolis-St. Paul. That's up next. Hour number two of the show. Matt Brett here. Broadcasting in the Metro Powerhouse that is Minneapolis St. Paul. Uh, you know, I'm still Brett. I, I'm running through those numbers. I keep looking at them. Okay, so I am very politically wonky, man. I do love looking at numbers and breakdowns and stuff like that. And I can. I can spend hours looking at it. I keep looking at these numbers, and they're just something that it just – he is not doing well. And for a guy that's presenting himself, it, it's over! Nobody likes Biden. They sure don't like Trump. And it's clear when his own base is not really supporting him like they should be. I don't think this is going to be near. You know, it. we've got a long way to go, but I think that this is the trap that they've got themselves into. He's just popular enough to where they can't get rid of him. But he's so unpopular that he's not going to win over suburban moms. He's not going to win over swing districts. He's not going to work. You know, he's going to lose probably you know blue collar workers who are pro America because traitorous jackasses that try to overthrow a country should not be elected. He's going to he and he's going to get walloped, and they're going to get walloped up and down the ballot. I mean, I can see that. I just wonder how. How are these Republicans going to react if the polls are going to be wrong like they have been for the past year and a half? If they're massively wrong, I mean, they it's going to be full meltdown mode, and it's not going to be good. Starting in 2018, those polls just were off. And once again, after Roe v. Wade was turned overturned, they have been off over and over and over again by somewhere between 5 to 12 points. Consistent. They just had a special election in Florida. Toss-up district. Toss-up district. Democrat won by three. Republican was supposed to win that seat. And I'll tell you what, I don't think things are going to go well. I think maybe maybe Pat Garofalo, okay, I, 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 
I'll begrudgingly say this. Maybe he's smarter than I give him credit for, man. Maybe he's he's realizing now that they'll go there goes the rats off the ship. So <laughs> I think I'm going to jump in the old boat. <laughs> bon voyage. <laughs> so. If you just think we're looking at this with rose-colored Democratic glasses, no, we're just looking at results for the past year and a half, and they've all been Democratic overperformances. I'm going to give you right here because you just said it. Right, you said it perfectly. Is this Matt and Brett just being you know yabos for the the Dems? You don't even have a challenger for Klobuchar yet. It's 2024. That election's coming up, man. You don't even have a challenger. There's there's like a whole bunch of guys that are sitting in the room. Like, I don't want to go do it. I don't want to go do it. Okay, so the top of the ticket is going to be Biden, who is more popular in this state than Trump is. The second person on the ticket is going to be Klobuchar, who doesn't, who's what, running against, is Mary Franson going to be it or something like that? Oh, good luck with that. And maybe, you see, and maybe that's the problem. The people that the Republican Party who are willing to run against her would be just a nightmare for them. Like, you know, and I don't know. I'm just, I'll throw Eric Lucero or Dreskowski or or Mary Franson. If one of those people were running against him, or against her, it would be a nightmare for the Republicans to hold. It even gets worse. And then you have all the House seats up. And right now, I mean, you've got multiple seats where Republicans are not going to come back. You got the U.S. House. I don't think, I don't think Angie Craig's more susceptible this time around. I, you know, I, you know, I know you're putting everything in the, the kitchen sink into, trying to get Ilhan Omar out in the primary on the Republicans are. I know that um, I, I, Dean Phillips, is, Ian, Dean's not going to win that seat for sure. I mean, even if he wanted it back, he's not going to win that. He's not the primary. And the Republicans who are running there is like, hey, who, who, who said I'm a Republican? I mean, good. This, this is great. This is not just rose-colored glasses, man. You guys have got a mess on your hands. And five two nine four six six two zero five. Can I do a little gym etiquette here? Uh, because of course it is ba- the, the beginning of the new year. Lots of people in the gym. I want to get to something. This um, this happened this morning. So I'm at I'm at the gym. I got I got to start working off this southern food I've been eating. <laughs> I ate for five days. It was delicious, Brett. Can I just say it was phenomenal. Good stuff. You got to pay the price at the, oh, gosh. at the gym. Yeah. Speaking of women's DMs, I got a picture of a of a basket of sausages. Man, that's just absolutely fan, just fantastic. The smokehouse in Port Royal, just as good as it gets. Not you know the I same. Maybe something else. No, it's, it, it is. It is. It takes a, a strong turn in the DMs, but uh, you know, it, it's it's not it's not the same. My my basket of of sausages. Is something you want to see? I think I don't. Know. I don't know where I'm going to go with that. I'm stuck. Uh oh. I'm on the cliff. They need to send a helicopter to get me off. Um, uh, gym etiquette. Here you go. So I'm on one of those machines now. You know, there's the machines that have they they have a cable on them, and there's two cables, and you can do like put a, a you know a, a handle on one side and kind of do things crossing over, or if you just want to use one side of it, you can use just one side of it. There are a few machines like that in the gym I go to. I'm on one of those. I actually got there earlier 
uh, than I usually do today because I had to drop a kid off at school. And so I'm, I'm there and I'm working out. I'm on the one side and I just got to do two sets. And, you know, I want to say thank God there was a trainer that was sitting right there when this woman did this. She comes up to me and she goes, oh, can I work in? Now, work in to me means to work in. Sure, no problem. She proceeds, I finish up that, that first set, and, 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 you know, she proceeds to take the bar off and put the other bar on and start doing a set and moving everything around. And when I go back, she said, and I started moving things back so I could go finish up my second set. She goes, you are done. You are done. You said I could use it. I said, you said you wanted to work in. And that's when the trainer said, yeah, you said you wanted to work in. You didn't say he was done. Are you done? You says, can I work in? And it was very uncomfortable for her because basically she was, you know, first of all, I'm going to say, if you're going to do stuff like this, why don't you just go get a workout machine and work out at home? That way you never have to worry about this sort of thing. That being said, don't do that. If you ask if you're going to work in, that means you're going to take turns doing the same exercise. And I don't mind if you switch out a bar or a, a, a handhold or something like this, but don't just go in there and just take it over and say, you gave it up. No, that's you just being a jerk. And now I guarantee you, you come up to me again and say, can I work in? I'm going to say, heck no. You can wait for me to get finished. Just a little etiquette for you. A little etiquette. Matt's being a nice guy. 952-946-6205. I also was basically, I think I was unintentionally part of a heist today. <laughs> you were part of it. Part Unintentionally part of a heist. That's not going to really hold up in no, court if they say, oh, I was unintentionally part of it. <laughs> How did all this merchandise get in my pockets? Uh, no. Okay, so what happened is I'm at Target. I, uh, I'm not wearing a headset or anything. I'm not like got my, it's not like I got my gym earphones in or anything. I'm, I, I can hear pretty fine. But I'm going through. I go to the self checkout. I you know scan my card, scan my things, and put you know putting stuff in the basket. And I come back and I come back out to the car. And this guy comes up to me and goes, "Hey, sir, sir, they were yelling for you. I think you forgot something." Oh, did they? And the first thing I do is I check my wallet's there, my my keys are there, my phone's there. What did I leave behind? I thought I got everything out of the cart. So I thought that I I'd forgotten something. Now. In hindsight, my first clue that maybe this guy wasn't all on the up and up, he was a he was parked in a handicapped spot at a Target, and he did not have a handicap sticker. He did not have a handicap plate. So I go back inside, and I say, "Ma'am, I'm sorry. Uh, did you were you calling for me?" And she goes, "Oh no, I was calling for the other guy that basically took half the stuff and he didn't pay for it." Ah, so did he use me as interference? I think it was that guy. I think he basically said, hey, uh, they're looking for you in there. They need you to talk to you. So they have me go in there as a diversion while he leaves. And he took off. Now, I don't think the you know resource officers at a Target store are going to – I don't know how much he took. I don't think it was a plasma screen TV he had jammed in his pocket. So I'm going to guess you know, a can of Vienna sausages or something like that. I, I, I don't know. So I'm not sure how much effort and time they're going to spend on tracking down this criminal mastermind. But I thought actually that was okay. If that was your getaway plan, that actually kind of worked. Because all of a sudden I'm walking back in there like, oh, hi, how are you doing? Did you need something? For oh, okay. No, it was the other person. Oh, that guy was, oh, he's gone. Okay. Mission accomplished. And you're just confirming you are not an accomplice in this. I have he, no idea who this man was. Yes. I have no idea. Keep your mouth shut. 
I, I, I have no idea. No, I was not part of any before anyone thinks. No, no, no. I wasn't. If I want a freaking almond joy, I'll go buy an almond joy. Okay. If I really want one, I can go buy a Coke. But I'm trying to fix. So this guy had time to try to convince you to go back into the store. I would think he would just be trying to rush out of there as quick as he can. Well, but then it basically. So the, so the woman says, "Hey, there's a guy that just left with the thing." So the guy goes out and sees yeah. me coming back into the store. You know, I, I think that's what it was. Is that in case there was a a, a, a you know an, an accountability officer that was there? All of a sudden, here's here's dopey. Oh yeah, you're just yeah. Uh, there. Apparently, I forgot something in the store. Yes, sir. Get on the ground. What? I didn't do that. Oh yeah, those were my potato wedges. You know, no, I I didn't. No, it, it's that it, that. It, it, I, I think it it's not a bad plan, man. It's not a bad I, – I have to admit it's more creative, but stop. You know, look in the mirror, reevaluate your life. I think you need to do that right now. 952-946-6205. So I'm going to take a break early. The reason why is I'm, I don't want to create a conflict, but I've got to ask a question in regards to dance. Okay, that's not one I thought I was going to ask this morning, but we'll get to that in a second. 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show. 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. So I want to start off this segment by reminding some people of something that happened in, we got the Olympics coming up here, but this was the Olympics of 2002, the Winter Olympics in Salt Lake City. This was where the, the fix was in on um, the pairs, teams, competition and what had happened was the the canadians uh sally and peltier of canada were exceptional were just fantastic were wonderful you know uber fantastic and i remember watching it and then you had the russians and the russians were the russians they're they're very good at figure skating and but they weren't as good as the Canadians. The Canadians were exceptional. Now, once again, I am not an ice figure skating pairs expert. So henceforth, I I I basically banked myself on the 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 experts that were watching this, and they were all saying, "Boy, the Canadians got screwed on this," and it was a it was a scandal. To which, you know, and, and basically you find out that people were basically intentionally keeping their votes down in the one category, I think it was a presentation, and it basically gave the Russians the win by one point. Uh, and afterwards, they basically, the, the Olympic Committee came back out and gave, I guess, both, if I remember correctly, both uh, of the, the figure skating pairs, the Canadians and the Russians, both took gold was what the final solution was. There was not going to be a silver that year. They just both took gold, and that was that. And so that that, that I want to put it out there because, once again, I want to, I'm, I'm saying this because 
I am not an expert in some things. Hence, when people who are experts say something that, and, and they're saying it with consistency, and all of them are saying it, and back, I want to make sure you remember back then in 2002, all the figure skating experts were saying, boy, the Canadians got jobbed here. I mean, I, I mean, the Canadians almost started swearing. I mean, that's how upset they were. Oh, you no, that's just not right then, you know. I know. What was that all about? <laughs> so I'm saying that as a preface. I generally will go with other people's who are far better experts than I am at what this is about. Brett, have you seen the insane cultural phenomenon, which is the University of Minnesota dance team, the dance routine they did to Dream On from Aerosmith. Oh, yeah. Yep. That phenomenal. I mean, I mean, I don't know dance that well, but I looked at that thing and it's just brilliant. I mean, the, the synchronization that is going on is off the charts. The, the movement that the dancers did was incredibly cool. I mean, there's that moment where they're all crawling backwards on the mat, and I'm like, wow, that is cool, man. I mean, it really was telling a story. It is amazing. And if you've not seen it, this has blown up. This is, this is a and – and I imagine for most people listening, they're like, oh, my, yeah, I've seen this. This is something that I think this weekend people were starting to say, did you see what the University of Minnesota dance team did? Now, from what I understand, what really makes this exceptional was there was some jumps that they did into turns, which were just no one has ever done this before. No one's ever done this, let alone done it synchronized with all these dancers on the floor, and it was phenomenal. So I'm going to read from the Fox 9 story. Dancers at the University of Minnesota dance team are returning to their home state as national champions and viral sensations. Millions of people on social media watch their dance routine in a national competition over the weekend. The Gophers' take on the Aerosmith classic Dream On has been shared worldwide as the Internet marvels over the incredible synchronization. Um, I decided I wanted to be on this team when I was in eighth grade, so it's been a long dream of mine. It feels crazy that, like, I have finished out my performances with this team in this program since senior Kaney... Balfovich, oh, I'm sorry, Kaney, K-I-A-N-E-E, Kaney, Kaney, K, nice job, senior, you were exceptional. Uh, her final college season will end on a high note. She and junior Cal- uh, uh, Callie Hilton are leaving Orlando, Florida, headed home with two national titles. Good for them. When we get back to campus, the people in class are certainly knowing who we are. It does kind of take you by surprise because dance hasn't always been received as a kind of recognition, so it does mean a lot. Absolutely. I would say what you've done is you have basically kicked open the door and people are now paying attention to you because you said you need to pay attention to us. You did phenomenal. My All my best, Kay and Hilton. For the second year in a row, the used dams team took home first place for its POMS performance at the 2024 UCA UDA College Cheerleading and Dance Team National Championships in Florida. Meanwhile, the jazz performance of Dream On took second place but it's become a viral sensation in part because it's a difficult turn sequence in the latter half of the performance. To get 20 people to be in sync at the same time, 
to not only turn but to flip on the turn and continue rotating at the perfect time and keeping your legs in line and your center in check. It took a lot of practice and a lot to get clean, said Hilton. The dance is made even more special because the 2004 dance team also danced to the same song, making it marking the performance 20th anniversary. So, cool, right? And if you've not seen this, go see it. Well, not now while you're driving home. But go see it when you get home. If you're like me, have your kids show you how to find it. And there you go. And you'll watch it and you'll be like, wow. It is. In, and, and I want to say, once again, I am not a dance expert. Sure, I like, you know, watching some pe- people dance sometimes. I was enthralled. This was, this was, you know, like I said, kicking open the door and saying, you need to pay attention to this. Now, here is just what I have observed. I don't know, and I went and I sought out the Ohio State uh, dance sequence. Um, That's that's who won on the jazz performance. They took second place. Ohio State won first. It's very good. I am not going, once again, I don't know the intricacies of dance. It's very good. Is it better than the Minnesota one? Just with my layman eyes, no, I don't think it is. Now, granted, I am a bit of a homer. I love the Golden Gophers salute. That being said, no, it, it did seem like the, the Minnesota one was better. But I'm not sure about the grading process here. I don't understand about the grading system. I don't understand about how you do all that. But you know who do? Dancers. And let me just talk a little bit about the response from the dancing community. Not me. The dancing community. The dancers who are posting about this are acting like they have seen a once-in-a-lifetime dance performance by the University of Minnesota. That was, you know, that one woman posted, I didn't realize I was going to be watching history be made by the University of Minnesota. Okay. So clearly there is this, this current that's running through that everyone's like, holy God, this is phenomenal. This was beyond brilliant. And and kind of like I don't know if you ever saw the 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 movie Matilda that came on out. There was a dance sequence in that towards the end of the movie, which was so good that everyone stopped and watched that one. That one became kind of a in your face sort of thing. A lot of people like that one. Um, but this this was you know done in live competition, and it was phenomenal. And once again, it's it's one thing for me. Mr. I don't know damn thing about dance to look and say, well, that was good. It's another thing to have dance coaches, dancing professionals. You go to TikTok, go to Facebook, go to Instagram, go to the, any social media page. And I mean, not Twitter, but go to all, any of these social media pages and go and look at the responses to this where these dancers are like, how in the world did they even do this? The dancers themselves are doing this. And you know what they're not doing? Anything close to that for the Ohio State team's performance. And once again, I'm not saying the Ohio State team did bad, but it clearly did not resonate or become life-changing or historic or a before-and-after moment 
than what the University of Minnesota did on the dance floor there. How did we not win again? Because <laughs> I, I, I just want to – how – okay – how is this possible? I mean, what did you – were we not wearing enough sequins? Is, I mean, I don't know what the, the, the parameters of the judging are, but how did they not win the national championship when everyone who sees it that knows what dancing is all about acts like, oh, my God, I can't believe they actually did this, and yet here you are saying, well, here's Ohio State. And I don't want to create a conflict – well, maybe I do a little bit. But, I mean, I don't want to, I mean, because it is Ohio State. Come on, Columbus. Uh, but, I mean, was, is that what happened? I mean, is this like the 2002 figure skating conundrum where there clearly was a better performance, but yet the gig was in for the other team? Because, once again, it's one thing if, okay, one or two people are saying, oh, this was phenomenal. That's not what's going on, man. It's every dancer I know, every the, the, the ridiculous amount of dance professionals who are like, how did they do this? The amount of dance instructors are like, this is the best dance performance I've ever seen. And they got second? I see. I... I I can tell you right now, I imagine, I, I can't imagine considering how this video has taken off and how it's become such a mainstay on social media right now. I cannot imagine that the judges are like, yeah, so you want to explain to me exactly how that one didn't win? I imagine people have already asked them that. But once again, and like I said, I went and sought out the Ohio State performance. It was good. It was very good. It was very good. Was it better when Minnesota did? No, it wasn't. But once again, that's my layman eyes. I don't know the ins and outs of this stuff. But the people that seem to know all the ins and outs of this stuff say it wasn't even close. So I have had, there are some, there are some threads on some, you want to know how much of a deep dive I've done into this thing? On Reddit, there are some threads where basically that Minnesota got the palms, got got one one first place for palms, for the palms dancing with the palm squad, which is also a very good dance routine. But people have said, well, Ohio State actually did better than Minnesota on the palms, but they're feeling as if maybe they gave them the palms award to make up for the fact that for some mysterious reason they did not give them this for the jazz synchronized dancing award. I don't know. But there seems to be a more than a – I'm not the only person that's saying – Wait a second, how did that get second place? Because if you do get to a point like the 2002 figure skating thing, where a big freaking dope like me is saying, wow, they got screwed. If I can do that, well, I guarantee you a lot of people that know a hell of a lot more about dancing than I do are probably asking the same exact thing of the NCAA right now. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. Take a break. Come on back. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. A big salute and a hello to Archie Webster and the guys out in uh, Greensboro, North Carolina, listening, watching. 
Hello. Uh, they're apparently playing some show. Let's see here at the St. Pius 10th Catholic Church in Greensboro, North Carolina, battleground area. And they're going to be down there performing until spring in, in March there. So hello, Greensboro. There you go. Your music calendar for the Greensboro, North Carolina Metroplex. 952-946-6205. To the north we go. Dynamo Dave is in Duluth, Minnesota. Welcome in, Dave. Hey, thanks for taking my call, Miraculous Matt. Hey, I was uh, looking up uh, Target's uh, shoplifting policy because I've heard from various retail people that work in retail saying that you just let people just go it's, um, if they're already heading out the door with merchandise. And if there's a guy who wrote an article about Target's strict uh, shoplifting policy, but they says in there, you know, if they see them in the act, then they'll detain them. But if they're, you know, you know, you know, in an aisle or something like that, but if they're on their way out the door, uh, they just, their policy is to let them go. And, uh, that's, uh, website mediacoverage.com has an article about that, their policy. And it seems like that's the true of many retailers. And I think they're afraid of getting sued and stuff like that. Well, you, you don't want, people. you don't want someone, and, and thanks, Dave. I appreciate the phone call. You don't want someone running out the store and running into a car. You know, I can get that, uh, you know, fairly quickly. Although I would say this, if they grabbed like one of the plasma screen TVs or something like that, I don't think that they're going to let that go. <laughs> I think, well, first of all, how fast is that going to be running anyway? So I don't think it's going to be the, the chase scene that you think it's going to be. I want to see the heist of two people trying to carry the thing. <laughs> Like a horse, <laughs> like a horse in a car. No, you got to turn right. No, you turn. No, you turn. I'm the front. I'm the back. Come on, move this way. No, oh, there you go. That's good. The, the, uh, the, uh, I, yeah, I could see that as well. Uh, so, no, I, it doesn't surprise me. Maybe this guy thought that he needed to give a little bit more of a, you know, a, a diversion to, to make sure he got away with his plan to, you know, steal some Sunkiss tuna. I don't. <laughs> Genius. Muah. Well, still, it's a more sound plan than Elon Musk. Let's just be honest about it. 952-946-6205. Sometimes I'm a mean person. Why am I, why am I so mean? I don't, well, it's Elon. You know, okay. So, okay. I've answered my own question. 952-946-6205. Speaking of being mean, get ready to buckle up, kiddos. Dean Phillips. The Minnesota congressman is he is he actually voting for anything at this point for the minute for Minnesota for the third is he or is he just basically chugging syrup like the rest of the guys up there now in New Hampshire? Dean Phillips, the Minnesota air quotes congressman, mounting a long shot challenge to Joe Biden for the Democratic presidential nomination, praised the Trump White House. What are you doing? Seriously, what are you doing? Praise the Trump White House. You mean babies in cages guy? You mean I tried to overthrow the government guy? You mean, uh, you know, documents stored in the John guy? You mean Johnny sexual uh, uh, predator guy? You mean that guy? The guy that ripped off veterans and his charitable group? You praise that. That. That's what you're praising. Dean. God, man. Praise the White House for its outreach on issues and legislation he worked on. And he said he's not seen that reach out, outreach out by Biden White House. The, the White House that you say, you, he's too old, he should not run, it's a mistake. And you're wondering why the Biden White House isn't returning your phone calls. How dumb are you, dude? 
I mean, I'm sorry. God, I don't want to be this way, but someone's got to be. How dumb are you? You basically constantly insult the guy, say he's worthless, he can't run, he's not worth anything, and then all of a sudden you, but he doesn't, he doesn't like my, my, my posts on Insta. You know, come on, man. I don't believe that we had a president recently that invested in the way that one needs to develop these relations in work ethic. Philip sold Johanna Masca, the host of Press Advice Podcast, and the former aide to Barack Obama. And I'll be forthright, the Trump White House worked very close with me in my office on two really important initiatives. Phillips's criticism may touch a nerve in the White House, but it will not be a surprise. The 54-year-old has insisted the campaign trail that Biden is too old and the wrong man to take on Trump should Trump win the Republican nomination. His effort to primary Biden has also irritated the White House, which has also been a staunch of his criti- has been staunch of its criticism of him. Um, so... I you know I don't know you you basically start saying the guy's incompetent of being able to be president of the United States don't then be wondering why you know and and I shouldn't mention and I've said this before and you can actually go back and listen to this interview the Dean Phillips interview from back when he first ran in 2018 we still actually have that posted up online he came into this studio and I thought it was like the second coming of Wellstone. I mean, he was, you know, a populist populist sort of thing. Around 2000 or so, he started being one of those guys where it was more important for him to be the moderate contrarian than to be the Democrat. And it wasn't all the time, but occasionally all of a sudden United States is like, I'm working with the other side of the aisle. That's not why you got nominated. We, we nominated you for a Democrat. And guess who doesn't do that? Republicans. Republicans generally don't do that. They don't sit out there and they talk about how glad they are I'm working with the other side of the aisle. They don't do that. They, they understand they've been elected as a Republican, not as, you know, you know a, 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 a Democrat elected as Republican light. But it's your comments about Biden. And a reminder, before the last election, for some inexplicable reason, you decided to say, I don't think Joe Biden should run again. So it's been a while here. You've been on the attack on Joe Biden. Stop acting like Joe Biden's hurt your personal feelings because he hasn't given you a call and asked if every bill that he passes is is okay with you there, Dean. I just don't know where he's going with this. Now, I will say this, if I can take a quick moment. Because there's, there's, there are two different mindsets on this this idea of these quote unquote middle of the road parties and and uh, candidates and, and the reality is is they're only existing for one of two reasons: one, in an attempt to be a spoiler to pull enough Democratic votes away from Joe Biden to get Trump into the White House, because once again. They already know that if the Democrats show up like they've been showing up, Trump's got no chance. And once again, a good portion of this show we've talked about, those caucus numbers are not good for Donald Trump. And the numbers from his own party, I mean, he should be working on appealing, expanding his base. He can't even keep his base together right now. So they desperately need Democrats to either stay at home or vote for someone else. So I think part of this middle-of-the-road party crap is just Republicans trying to 
to make it look like they're 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 accommodating by basically putting someone out there just to ensure that Donald Trump gets the nomination or gets the election, wins the general election. Or there is this element, and it's it's something that I saw with when the Independence Party was here in Minnesota. And that is is that the Independence Party was made up of a lot of former Republicans who at that point were kind of disturbed at how far the right to the right the Republican Party was moving. As a matter of fact, a reminder that you there used to be in the 80s, there were tons of pro-choice Republicans. That was a common thing. Pro-choice Republicans were a common thing. There are many Republicans that work to make sure that women's health issues were something that were of you know that something women could make for themselves. They could make their own choices. That there was there, and that all changed with Newt Gingrich and that whole far right. And they kept pushing and pushing and pushing. And now it's a if you are for any kind of abortion that you're 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 a commie liberal. So that's kind of where they're at. They a lot of those Republicans who were more socially liberal. They've tried to find ways to repackage themselves as something middle of the road. But the reality is, is when the Independence Party collapsed here in Minnesota, what did all those guys do? They all went and ran back to the Republican Party. There was there, I mean, maybe a few of them ran over to the Democratic Party, but it was more about just they wanted a different choice that wasn't the Republican. And when they didn't have that anymore, they went back to being Republican again. So that's not middle of the road. That's just a bad game plan and a lack of commitment. That's really what it is. And I think that that's kind of where you're at right now. The no labels party, which is trying to desperately get Joe Manchin to run uh, on that ticket. The centrist political group planning to offer a bipartisan unity ticket for the 2024 presidential election may not actually have a Democrat on its ticket. One of its top leaders said in a video recording recently received uh, as the event that was obtained by uh, Huffington Post. One of the things we've also gotten asked about is there's, of course, Republicans, Democrats, there's also independents, and the presence on the ticket. Ryan Clancy, chief strategist for No Label, said in a December 20th Zoom event titled Common Sense Talks with Ryan Clancy. And what if, what if it's a Republican and an independent? I think that's certainly possible, he said. Clancy was responding to an attendee who raised a concern shared by many Democrats as No Label prepares to launch a third-party presidential candidate. They will function as a spoiler, taking Democratic independent votes away from President Joe Biden and boosting presumptive Republican nominee Donald Trump. I don't think it's necessarily completely that. I think it's a vanity project for moderate Republicans who can't stand that Donald Trump is there. But through 20, 30 years of brainwashing, the idea of them voting for a Democrat is just not something they're going to do. And so they're just trying to find some way that they can vote for something else in the case. And I don't, I'm, frankly, like I said, I, I, I think most Democrats are not stupid enough to fall for this, of this middle-of-the-road work-with-together thing, because especially if it's a Republican and an independent, at that point it's Republican light ticket. And so, I mean, it's more of a pipe dream. Dean Phillips seems more like a ploy by the Republican people to create a spoiler candidate. Let me get into this next story. Democratic presidential candidate Dean Phillips removed a reference for promoting diversity, equity, and inclusion on his campaign website after with his time, top financial backers, a leading DEI opponent prodded Trump's, uh, prodded, oops, sorry, my mistake, prodded Phillips's publicity on the subject. The donor, a hedge fund investor, Bill Ackman, 
Now, if I'm not mistaken, isn't Bill Ackman actually someone who funds a lot of Republican candidates? I thought that was this I've guy. I've heard the name before, too. I thought that's what. He's a hedge fund investor. He's not exactly working for the blue-collar worker here, I don't think. And, okay, once again, I want to go back to this. Diversity, equity, inclusion. What kind of punk jackass is against that? Diversity? We're a diverse country. Equity? Everyone has equity. Inclusion? Everyone has a seat at the table. What's the problem with that? How are you that offended by that, you, you, you jerk? But, hey, guess what? Dean Phillips caved. The donor, hedge fund investor Bill Ackman, says the different times called Phillips' language about DEI a mistake and said the candidate was getting educated on the issue. Writing on Twitter, he said several times that he expected Phillips would revise his campaign website reference to DEI. So once again, you're going to run as a, uh, as a Democratic spoiler, but basically we're going to give you Republican talking points. I see. Earlier this week, the Minnesota Representatives campaign took out the term DEI from the platform section of the website and replaced it with equity and restorative justice. The language under the header remains the same, with Phillips's campaign saying he believes we are a rapidly diversifying country and that it is diversity which makes America great. But the decision to drop the reference to DEI, a decades-old initiative in academia and government to promote fair representation among groups which have been faced historic discrimination, stands out for its timing. Phillips Super PAC recently received a commitment for a $1 million donation from Ackman, who is engaged in high-publicity campaign against DEI initiatives at universities. Ackman, so basically white people for white people sort of thing. Um, Ackman recently took part in the conversation on Twitter with Phillips, where the subject was broached. Ackman previously addressed Phillips' support of DEI during the afternoon of Sunday, January 14th, predicting on X, uh, formerly Twitter, excuse me, on Twitter, that the candidate would change his tune once he understands what it is, after you know, and once you basically dangle that money carrot in front of him, after the initial publication of this article, a Phillips campaign aide approved what they said was a screenshot of the back end of their website showing that they'd made the change to the platform at 9.42 that night. Minutes later, Ackman posted on Twitter again saying, Phillips was getting educated as we speak. Let's listen to what he has to say after he gets educated. Wait a second. Stop. He's not getting educated. He's basically got your hand up his backside and you're moving his mouth. This is not about educating him. This is about basically telling him you need to push right-wing talking points because that's all this anti-DEI stuff is, is right-wing talking points. We can't have that. What about the white people? Shut up. A cash version of Phillips' website by captured by the Wayback Machine shows that his platform page continued to list DEI as a policy subject as recently as Monday. By Tuesday, the language had been changed to equity and restorative justice. The Phillips campaign defended the change in language in a statement and issued, insisted it had absolutely not been made to resp- uh, in response to criticism from Ackman or a request from him or his representatives. DEI now means much more divergent things to different people that it is no longer descriptive. Instead, actually, it's pretty freaking descriptive. Uh, never mind. Instead of an academic discussion or a phrase, our campaign prefers to focus on the urgent need to address and readdress racial disparities, the policy substance of which remains completely unchanged in our site, said Katie Doolin, a Phillips campaign spokesperson, said in the statement shared with Politico.
Dean, you're not going to win the nomination because the union vote's not going to go with you. The union vote loves Joe Biden. I am a what I would call myself a Al Gore Democrat, middle of the party. I love Joe Biden. I'm voting Joe Biden. You are my House rep. I would never even think of voting for you for a House seat anymore. I don't know what the hell you're doing here, dude. But fine. We'll entertain you through New Hampshire. But when you get your caboose handed to you on a platter, then bow out with some dignity, okay? And whatever you decide to do with the rest of your life, good luck with that. But being a stooge for right-wing idiots that basically want to use you as a foil to to spoil Joe Biden winning re-election and try to get Trump into office again, if you're not, if you if you can't see that at this point, then I can't help you. And maybe you're just trying to show that you can be, I guess, the Secretary of Agriculture or something like that for the No Labels Party. If somehow, I yeah, I have no idea what you're thinking. I have no idea what you're thinking. All I know is the only thing you're doing damage to yourself is is yourself at this point. That's the only thing you're doing damage to. Let's take a break, come back, wrap up the show when we do return. It is the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. Yeah, I don't know what he's doing. Someone called up and said this is the guy, that this fundraising guy is the guy that's been trying to get these presidents fired from some of these Ivy League universities. I mean, trust me when I say this. There, there is this this element in our society that sees that we are becoming more diverse and more equitable and more inclusive, and they can't stand it. They want a white world for you know for for you know to be there, and the, you know they they'll, they'll act as if you know some minor accommodation is major change, and that's just not it. And so they're 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 pushing back and. You can see the collar getting pulled on Dean Phillips' neck, you know? You can just see that. That's, that's, what a disappointment. Uh, yeah, I want to, remember yesterday we talked about uh, the fourth anniversary of the Minnesota Reformer. They're still doing fantastic work. This article they got out today over 15 years, approximately 150 rural hospitals have been closed nationwide. What does it mean? Their facilities are obsolete, no longer needed, maybe a few places, but the vast majority of the communities have provided critically important services. In most rural communities, the hospital has multiple roles as the cornerstone of health services. Typically, they serve as the base of local EMS ambulance services, provide crucial first contact care as well. Besides delivering a range of outpatient services, they care for inpatients who do not require the high-tech invention interventions of the regional referral centers. Closures always involve unique local factors. However, the most consistent and usually the most dominant dilemma is that the cost of continued operation have outpaced the income available to cover them. In the final analysis, decisions which will directly and negatively impact the health and safety of residents are being made based on economic financial justifications too often without due regard to the adverse health impacts. How do we get into such a situation? The fundamental fact is that the market-based economy in, in uh, Entitles that that generate in, uh, that generate income enough to cover expenses, survive, and those who do not fail. I mean, it's it's simply that in rural America right now, rural Minnesota, water is a major issue. The nitrates in the water, these hospitals closing is another major one. And I don't. I mean, 
I wish we could have a wayback machine and go back and stop the, the the privatization of the hospital system, which is kind of what's driven us off the edge. But I'll post that article. You can read that later. Native Roots Radio is up next. Have a great one. We're back tomorrow. Till then, see ya.